internet? Welcome to Film Theory. You know, one of the classic Nicktoons that I always thought flew under the radar was the Fairly Odd Parents. Being alone with someone for a long time can get annoying if it's not the right person. Are you leaving me? I thought you loved me! This show was unhinged in all the best ways. Oops, sorry, Dad. Oh, don't worry about it, Timmy. My dreams were shattered years ago. How many years ago? How old are you? And why not? It's a show about a little boy named Timmy Turner with two fairy godparents that can grant his every wish. Sounds awesome. Finally, every ten-year-old's dream, a room full of supermodels. Can you guys make cookies? Super cookies. Or, I suppose, not every wish. You see, the fairy godparents do have some limitations on what wishes they can and can't grant, all of which are outlined in a magical legal document known simply as the rules. In fact, the show goes to great lengths to explain the rigorous training that fairy godparents have to endure so that the rules never get broken. And that makes sense, right? Every magic system has to have rules. Three wishes for a genie, no wishing for more wishes, no making people fall in love. All the classic stuff. So the world of the fairly odd parents shouldn't be that different, right? Right? Well, you know when I start asking rhetorical questions like that, it's because the answer probably isn't as obvious as it seems. Nope, loyal theorists, after watching the show, maybe a bit too intently for a children's cartoon, it's become clear to me that the rules are actually more like the big fat lies. Lies perpetuated by a muscle-bound guardian preparing the fairy world for war. Don't believe me? Grab your wands, your wings, and floaty crown things, it's time to wish for some answers. So first, let's set some context. What's exactly in the rules? According to the rules, fairy godparents only grant wishes to kids! As I just talked about, the rules are a collection of guidelines that determine what wishes a fairy godparent can and can't grant to their godkids. On the surface, a lot of the rules make perfect sense. Fairies can't grant a wish that intentionally kills or hurts someone. No wishes for money, no wishes that interfere with love, no wishes that help cheat in competitions, no wishes for anyone except the godchild. And above all else, a godchild must never ever reveal the existence of their fairies to anyone else. Otherwise, they're gonna lose their fairies, their memories, and reverse every wish they've ever had. It's a pretty harsh system, but then again, it seems sensible for upholding the structure of this magical world. We're told in the show that a fairy's primary purpose is to bring joy, and the rules help prevent any wishes that might result in a net negative of joy. Plus, to help make sure that a god kid doesn't unintentionally break a rule, there are safeguards in place. The wish won't get granted, and instead the fairy's wand dims, wilts, and then makes a fart sound. I will prove my whimsy when I change you into a... In general, it seems safe to say that the rules are fundamental to fairy society, with the first rules having been drafted long ago by the council, four ancient and powerful fairies that rule over the fairy world. But the rules also seem to be a living document, with new rules getting added all the time. For instance, you cannot wish for every day to be Christmas, which got added after Timmy wished for exactly that, and things got messy in a hurry. Wow! They've added a new rule! You really gotta mess up big time to make that happen! But the more you watch the show, the more something feels off about the rules. Some of them are just nonsense. Sensical, like magic can't be used on invisible teachers, sleeping clowns, French New Wave filmmakers, and anyone who wears clear glasses as a fashion statement. It's certainly weird, for sure, but it's not bad. Others are just simply inconvenient, like the fact that breakfast-related wishes are denied after 10.30 a.m. But then there are the rules that are just flat-out dangerous. For example, fairies must always attempt to grant the wishes of their godchildren, even if they just offhandedly say, I wish. Doesn't even matter if they're conscious or not. Wish, go, Vicky! <gasps> On top of that, there are these massive loopholes into rules that Timmy often demonstrates throughout the show. Jorgen said whatever's in the book is a rule, so... Timmy Turner doesn't have to follow any of the rules! 
This then becomes a huge problem in one episode, with Timmy making all sorts of rule-breaking wishes for money, to win multiple reality show competitions, and for his crush to fall in love with him. He later writes that no fairy godkids have to follow the rules either, thereby causing the rules to almost self-destruct and destroy the entire universe. Every rule-free wish destabilizes the book further! If the book explodes, so does the universe! It's a pretty horrifying, right? So the rules then are clearly responsible for holding together the fabric of reality. And yet, that just flat out isn't true. See, magic and wish granting aren't powers that are exclusive to fairies in this world. And throughout the series, we see other magical creatures completely ignore basic fundamental principles. Take, for instance, the anti-fairies, who are all about causing bad luck and pain in ways that break the rules. There are also genies who basically don't follow any rules. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Even their limit on three wishes isn't real. And I can't use my last wish to wish for more witches, can I? We tell everyone they can't, but really you can. Some humans have also gained the ability to wield magic, like the wizard Merlin. And all he uses his powers for is to help his nephew Arthur win competitions and become royalty, a direct violation of the rule against cheating. I've already cast a spell. The next small Yanks' sword is gonna be the king of England. Then there are the pixies, who are just as magical as the fairies, but treat magic as a business. All of their wish granting is seen as transactional, with bureaucratic rules and red tape that controls everything. And yet, just like any good corrupt businessman, the powerful ones aren't above bending and breaking their own rules to get ahead. During a mini-golf competition that's subject to important contractual obligations, several pixies break the rules and cheat to help the head pixie win. And yet, despite all of this rule-breaking, the universe stays intact. But okay, maybe that's just other creatures breaking the rules. Maybe fairies operate by a different form of logic or a different code of magic. Maybe their magic is different and disconnected from the rest. Well, that's not true either. First of all, Timmy and his fairies break the rules all the time, to the point where we could literally be here all day if I just wanted to list out examples. Just for the sake of showing some work, here are a few. In Ruled Out, Timmy wishes his parents couldn't care less about him, violating the rule against interfering with love. In I Dream of Cosmo, Cosmo hits his head and briefly believes that he's become a weenie. Uh, that's part witch, part genie. He proceeds then to grant several rule-breaking wishes to Timmy's dad, including wishing for money, thereby breaking the rule on counterfeiting. The rule against cheating in competitions? Yeah, that one's basically broken every other episode. Like in Foul Bald, Superbike, Movie magic, just to name a few. That last one actually is my favorite example of rule-breaking because Cosmo literally rips a page out of his copy of the rules that forbids him from helping Timmy, thereby implying that fairies can basically ignore any rule if they so choose. But perhaps the most egregious example of breaking the rules is mentioned in Hassel in the Castle, when it's revealed that Cosmo and Wanda's most infamous former godkid abused our magic, took out Archduke Ferdinand, and plunged the world into World War One. Yeah, uh, even without wishing directly for the death of the Archduke, World World War One caused 20 million deaths and 21 million injuries. I would say that that one caused a net negative of joy. So, something suspicious is going on with these rules. These things are supposedly super important, unbreakable, potentially world-ending, and yet they're broken all the time. Therefore, they're a lie. I've proven my thesis. Film theory becomes film fact. Thanks everyone, let's wrap it early. Well, 
not quite. Sure, at this point we've proven that Doe rules are full of lies and you can break them pretty much whenever you want, but we're still left with one major question, why? If these things aren't real, and they're not being enforced consistently, then why are they here at all? It can't possibly be because it's a cartoon for children and breaking the rules would make for easily manufactured drama. No, no, that's not it. See, the more I kept watching and digging into the lore of the series, everything started to point back to one person. The one magical creature in control of both the rules and the fairy world writ large, Jorgen von Strangle, self-proclaimed toughest fairy in the universe. I am Drill Sergeant Jorgen von Strangle, and these are my muscles. Jorgen is a major supporting character in the series, the guardian of the rules who knows him by heart so he can properly enforce them. He's also in charge of training fairies at his fairy academy boot camp, as well as assigning godparents to new god kids who need joy in their life. Basically, he's the fairy general of the fairy army. But if he's such a pro of the fairy world, why is he propping up this book of lies? Well, everything starts to click into place thanks to two episodes. First, there's Schools Out the Musical, where the pixies attempt to take over the fairy world. Remember these guys? They're the magical creatures that are obsessed with destroying joy and whimsy and replacing it with contracts, boredom, and rules. Yeah, it's a bit suspicious, isn't it? In this episode, the pixies find a sad infant clown named Flappy Bob, and they enact a 37-year anti-fun plan, acting as Flappy Bob's own godparents for decades. But instead of granting him every wish for clownish fun, they mold him into a boring Harvard law-educated businessman. Meanwhile, the pixies trick Timmy into wishing that kids were in charge of the earth in retaliation against all their rules and laws. But here's a problem. With kids now in charge, every fairy godparent is pulled back into fairy world because the kids no longer need them. According to the rules, fairies can only be assigned to children in need. And the rules also state that if pixies are the last magical creatures on earth, they're granted control over the planet, which is exactly what happens. Has to be one of the worst case scenarios for the fairies, who basically only exist to bring joy to others. This sequence of events raises a ton of questions. If fairies are kicked off the earth if kids are suddenly in charge, why isn't wishing for that something that's explicitly listed in the rules? Meanwhile, all of this happened only because Flappy Bob was never granted a fairy godparent. Clearly, he was miserable during his childhood, and yet he got a pixie. Why? Timmy was assigned Cosmo and Wanda because he didn't want to do chores. I think an orphaned clown having the circus pummeled out of him it might be just a little bit higher on the priority list. Most importantly of all, though, how did Jorgen not see any of this coming? Remember, Jorgen is the custodian of the rules. He knows them inside and out, and yet he does basically nothing the hundreds of times that we see him getting broken throughout the show. And as the trainer and assigner of new godparents, he should have known how miserable Flappy Bob was during his childhood and done something about it. Jorgen also isn't surprised when the Pixies reference that obscure loophole that gives him control of Earth in the rules, so he clearly knows that it exists. Let us go! Timmy needs us! No, he does not! According to the rules, fairies can only be assigned to children in need! And, as the guardian of the master copy of the rules, he's one of the only people who can change them as he pleases. So this should have been something that he rectified well before it became a problem, so why didn't he? Why is Jorgen lying about the rules? Well, Jorgen didn't stop this precisely because he did see it coming. He wanted this to happen. He wanted the fairies pulled back into the fairy world. It's all part of a larger plan. At first, I thought that maybe Jorgen wasn't actually a fairy, but instead some sort of undercover pixie on the inside. I mean, he loves rules and enforcing them, just like the pixies. Now we're pulling, pulling, pulling like the fairies so I can bring them pain. But we learn definitively in the season 7 episode Cosmo Rules that he's actually Cosmo's cousin, thereby proving that he's a fairy. Say hello to your other, more deep, dark family secretish cousin. Cosmo! Cousins!
So what then is his deal? Well, it all comes down to that second episode I mentioned earlier and then left unexplained until now for dramatic effect. You see, the last piece of the puzzle that brings everything together is the season 6 finale, Wishology. Here, we learned that fairies weren't always the sweet, cute, cuddly creatures that we know of today. In ancient fairy times, a fairy's main job was to fight, not frolic. Basically, fairies were once a race of super soldiers at war with a force known as the Darkness, which was only defeated when thousands of fairy warriors combined their powers to create a neutralizing light. And even then, the fairy council prophesied that the Darkness would one day return. They sent millions of the strongest fairy warriors out into the void of space to create an early warning system for fairy world, should the Darkness ever return. According to the lore of the series, that's exactly why there are stars in the sky. All those stars, they're fairies on the lookout. Now, that's a cool story and all, but just think about its implications. Fairy world must have been devastated by this war with the Darkness if millions of them were sent into space at the end of the fighting just to be a warning system. That's not even thinking about how many died during combat. Their population has clearly dwindled to a point where the entirety of fairy world can fit inside of a gumball machine. Every fairy in fairy world must be in here! And it's not like fairies reproduce quickly either. In Fairly Odd Baby, Cosmo and Wanda's child Poof is born, and we learn that the last fairy child born before Poof was Cosmo himself. It all started when the last baby was born in fairy world. And yet, in the Past and the Furious, we meet Cosmo and Wanda's very first godchild, the caveman credited with inventing the wheel. That means that, at minimum, another new fairy hasn't been born since at least the Paleolithic era 40,000 years ago. Even the fairy economy seems to be suffering, unable to fill positions in vital public services like law enforcement. Isn't there supposed to be a good cop and a bad cop? We had some cutbacks. And so Jorgen did what he thought he needed to do. He created a sham system that would eventually result in kids losing their fairies, and those fairies then having to return to the fairy world. World. For centuries, he's been tweaking the rules, trying to create a situation where the godkids of Earth mess up so badly that the godparents have no choice but to abandon them. That's why he allowed the pixies to exploit the loophole. After kids become the dominant species on Earth, he's happy to pull all those fairies back to fairy world. In the episode, we see him being put to work in real jobs that can help rebuild their infrastructure. He wants the fairies back to rebuild their population. Remember, before Poof, Cosmo was the last fairy child born, and he's older than the entirety of human civilization. In short, when humans came into being, production of new fairies stopped. And without the need to train godparents, there's a perfect excuse to turn the fairy academy into an actual fairy army boot camp. Jorgen knows that the darkness is going to return, and he's been spending his entire life preparing for it. That's why his physique is so much more like the fairy warriors of old, and why he immediately takes charge of the entire fairy world when the darkness returns, sending all the other fairies to be protected in a gumball machine as he tries his best to fight back. He begrudgingly teams up with Timmy, someone he loathes. He even sacrifices himself to make sure that Timmy can save the fairy world. That is his primary goal, no matter the cost. And here's the thing, his plan seems to work. Timmy is able to dispel the darkness by showing it love, thereby turning it towards kindness. And towards the end of the series, we learn that there's a shortage of fairy godparents, partially because fairies have begun pursuing careers within fairy world. Due to overwhelming demand, and fairies taking on better paying jobs, there is a fairy godparent shortage. That said, Jorgen's plan didn't work well enough. He still had to suffer through all those episodes with the dog fairy. What do you want me to say? I know a lot of words, because I just ate a dictionary. But hey, that's just a theory. A film theory. And cut.